Oh, well, hey, good morning, you guys. And happy Sunday again. Here we are. And uh, talking, kind of wanted to speak into this idea of sowing and reaping that Kirk had uh, started us on this journey that he's been talking about in sowing and reaping. And uh, how many of you have been thankful for the lessons learned in sowing and reaping? Yes, yes. Raise your hand even if you aren't, okay? Because you should be. All right? You should be. And so I was thinking about his, his message, and usually when, when uh, he's telling me what a series is, I open a notebook and I just start writing down a lot of thoughts that I have about that. And so I had kind of like two partial sermons written, and then it came to being actually getting ready for sermon prep this week, and those two didn't cut it. And so here I am kind of teaching what I feel like is what Holy Spirit wanted you guys to hear, because I was listening to Kirk's sermon a few different times this week, and he was talking about just sowing into two different kingdoms. And he was talking about, uh, he was teaching from Galatians chapter 6, and how you're either sowing into the sinful nature or you're sowing into the spirit. And so it stirred up in this question of what does sowing to the spirit look like? And Trisha was getting annoyed because that's pretty much the question that I would ask as I would fall asleep at night, okay? And that's just kind of my rhythm. Like, like I, I meditate on, on God's word a lot, and I meditate on thoughts and big questions, and especially hard questions, and, and I felt like that that was the question that Holy Spirit was wanting me to ask this week. And so it was like every night, what does sowing to the Spirit look like? What does sowing to the Spirit look like? Because I felt like maybe after listening to Kirk's sermon, that might have been a question that was stirring in your mind. So, so what does sowing to the Spirit look like? Well, the short answer is obedience, okay? The short answer is obedience, and the long answer is obedience. <laughs> because I, I feel like obedience tends to be a loaded concept, or a loaded word, especially in a non-denominational charismatic church, okay, where maybe some of you have come from uh, backgrounds where obedience was, was used as, as a yoke around your neck to keep you in line, okay? And, and that's, not, that's not God's yoke, okay? But I want to I wanna talk about maybe elevating that word obedience, and, and, and you're going to hear me say this anytime I talk about obedience. You're going to hear t me talk about uh, true obedience, okay, and tr how true obedience looks like love, and it, it looks like deep love and deep devotion. And so I want to talk a little bit about true obedience, but not necessarily fleshly obedience. And so, because a lot of us maybe don't like obedience because of our background, and all of us don't like it because of our flesh, I mean, just to be honest with you, okay? And so that's where I'm going to be teaching on what I like to call lessons from the meadow and this idea of cultivating a lifestyle of obedience. So lesson one, these are some lessons. So at my farm, we have a little patch in uh, the front part of our yard, right by the road, and it for many years, when we first moved back, it would just flood out. It would just flood out, flood out, flood out every year. And so grass won't really grow. It was really good for growing weeds and weeds and more weeds. And so what I did is I started to till it, and then I started to add in dirt just to raise the level so it wouldn't get flooded out every year. And so I, I, I had this year, uh, many years of just adding dirt and tilling, 
adding dirt and tilling. And this, this endless stop or this endless task of, of tilling, believe it or not, wasn't really producing anything, right? Think about a farmer who just keeps digging his field and digging his field and digging his field and digging his field, right? And that's, that, it wasn't really producing anything. And so I got this idea like, I think I'm going to make it a meadow because lesson number one that I needed to learn is bare ground is dangerous, okay? I know I've got some farmers here because we are an agrarian church, but uh, what's the danger of bare ground, of just leaving ground bare? Weeds. Weeds. Yeah, erosion and weeds, right? Right? That is the danger of bare ground. And so, so what I want to talk about today is how a lot of us, we tend to live in this illusion that we are neutral ground. And that's where Kirk was going in his sermon. If you remember last week, he had John up here tugging on one sleeve, and he had uh, Jim tugging on the other sleeve. And he was talking about how oftentimes we, we just go as far as saying no to the flesh, but we don't give in to the spirit. And, and it's this illusion of neutral ground where we get duped into believing that there's some sort of neutral zone where we can peacefully exist as human beings. We're not necessarily giving in to the sinful nature, but we're not necessarily giving in to the spirit nature. And we're, we think that we're in this, in this, in this neutral zone where we're, where we're walking this line somewhere in the middle. I remember Pastor Faring teaching a sermon one time. Uh, man, this is when we were going way back when up at, up at assembly. And, and he was talking about how there's no neutral zone. There is no neutral zone, okay? There's no neutral zone. It's, it's an illusion, okay? You're, you're either on one side or you're on the other. There's, there's no in between. But I think we get duped into believing that there's some sort of this neutral zone where I can live a happy, peaceful life without serving God and without serving Satan. I'm just kind of doing my own thing somewhere in between. And unfortunately, uh, newsflash, if you're, if, you're, if you're somewhere in between, you're sowing to please yourself. And if you're sowing to please yourself, you're sowing to the flesh. And if you're sowing to the flesh, you're f- sowing to the sinful nature. And if you're sowing to the sinful nature, you're planting Satan's seeds. Okay? And that's, that's hard. It's hard to hear that because we'd like to think there's this safe zone where I'm not going to be hyper-spiritual, but I'm not going to be overtly sinful. I'm just going to do my own thing. And, and it's an illusion. It's an illusion. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay? And I think many of us, for many of our, our walks with Jesus, we, we spend a season or maybe multiple seasons in that mindset where I'm just, you know, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I don't feel like worshiping God today. I don't feel like praying today. You're planting seeds for the wrong kingdom when you're, when you're going based off of what you don't feel like doing. Right? And, and, and so we've got to make sure that we, we get out of this mindset that somehow there's this safe middle ground where I'm, I'm going to be at peace and I'm going to be happy, but I'm not going to serve one of those two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms. Okay? You don't have a kingdom. 
your kingdom is actually wrapped up in in the, in, the, in the sinful kingdom. It's wrapped up in our flesh. We're, when we do that, when we have, live with that mindset, we're serving ourselves, okay? And that's not the kingdom of God, all right? And so I'm going to take you to Hebrews for today. And I'd love for you, if you got your Bible, to open it. And the reason I always say that, and I'm going to keep saying it anytime I preach, so just put up with it, I guess, if you don't like it, but the reason I say that is because I like teaching from obscure passages, and I like gaining insights, and I like when, when somebody gets a concept and, and, and delivers it to me in an obscure passage where I can underline things and I can write things in my Bible that are going to help remind me about what this passage is about. And so I'm going to take you all the way back to Hebrews today. And this is Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to set the context a little bit. So the author of Hebrews, he's talking about Israel's history. And if you know Israel's history, they have a history and a pattern of disobedience, of knowing what God wants, but then not doing it, or knowing what God wants and doing the opposite, right? And so they have got this pattern of disobedience that they've been following. And so the, he- the author of Hebrews has just got done talking about this idea of disobedience and this idea of unbelief. But here's the deal. He's, he's trying to encourage you and I through that, though. So he's just got done talking about somebody else's disobedience, but now he's wanting to encourage us in our obedience. And so he writes this, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, okay, his rest, talking about God's rest, promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And think about Kirk's message last week about how when we just say no, okay, when I just say no to the flesh and all I do is stop, I'm stopping short of what God has called me to do. And you heard Kirk say many times, sow a seed last week, sow a seed, sow a seed. Don't stop short at just stopping, Okay? And that's what the author of Hebrews is writing about here. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it, key phrase here, did not combine it with faith. There wasn't any partnership that took place. Okay? There wasn't any sort of partnership. It's just like, I'm not going to hook to this plow, or I'm not going to hook to this planter, maybe, talking about the sinful nature, but I don't feel like hooking to this planter either, talking about the spirit. And we like to think we've got our own little one-row planter, and we're sowing our seed in our neutral ground, not realizing that we're sowing the wrong kind of seeds, right? And, and so we, 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 we stop short when we just stop there. They did not combine it with faith. And so what I see here is an encouragement that we got to stop, don't stop short at stopping, sow a seed, because we are not meant to live our lives as bare ground. We are called to produce fruit. We are created to produce fruit. It's in our nature. And so like it or not, leave it or not, you are producing some sort of fruit by your action and your inaction. Okay, seeds are everywhere. Kirk talked about it, I think, in his first sermon on this series. Seeds are everywhere, okay? If you don't agree with that, try setting up a potter of dirt outside and see what happens. Stuff is going to grow. Stuff is going to grow. And we, but we'd like to think we're somewhere in between and we're neutral ground and we're in this safe zone. We are not meant to live our lives as bare ground. 
we are meant to be sowing something because we're going we're gonna to bear fruit. We're going to bear fruit. And it, it comes down to what kind of fruit do you and I want to bear? We're not meant to live our lives as bare ground. So lesson one is that bare ground is dangerous, okay? We got to get out of this illusion of neutral ground. Lesson two, and I wish our meadow looked like that, don't you, babe? Man, it doesn't look like that yet. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's taking time. Lesson two with my meadow that I'm trying to plant at our place, you got to develop consistent patterns of planting and plucking or plucking and planting, okay? It can't, what's wrong with just doing one without the other, you gardeners? Well, yeah, definitely you're stopping short if you only do one of them, for sure. Yeah. If you just spend time plucking weeds, imagine if I didn't sow any seeds in that dirt patch that is my meadow, and all I did was pluck weeds. I wouldn't be here right now. I'd still be plucking weeds, right? Right? That's, that's the danger of bare ground. We can, and, you, and you can't just get caught in plucking. And plucking is when I just say no. I just say no to the flesh. But if I'm not planting anything, I'm going to be in this endless cycle of no's. Okay? And, and so I've got to get out of that cycle of no's, and I've got to step into a rhythm of planting. Okay? Because we try to wean ourselves off of fleshly desires, but we, we forget to fill the void. And you will hear Kirk and I talk about the principle of expulsion. Expulsion is where you, you force something out by putting something in its place. Okay? And, and Luke will write about that in a parable of, of an empty house. Okay? Or Jesus spoke about it. Luke wrote about it. Okay? And so good gardens require plucking and planting. But don't just pluck the weeds, right? Plant something in their place. We got to get, we got to sow a seed. That's what Kirk was talking about last week. Sow a seed, sow a seed, sow a seed. Don't just get caught on plucking weeds. You got to be planting at the same time. I want to take you to Jeremiah this morning because Jeremiah is going to talk about this and hang on for just a second because I'm going to try to make this passage a little bit clear for you. But this is Jeremiah and I'm reading in chapter 11. And I'm starting in verse 3. Now, Jeremiah is a prophet. God's speaking. He's writing. And, Jer and God speaks this to Jeremiah. He says, cursed is the man. Don't like that word cursed. Hoofta. Cursed is the man who does not obey the terms of this covenant, the terms I commanded your forefathers when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the iron smelting furnace. I like that, that, that phrase right there. Okay, we've been talking about suffering and what suffering can produce in us in, in our Wednesday nights. Egypt was a, an iron smelting furnace. I said, again, this is God speaking, obey me and do everything I command you and you will be my people and I will be your God. And then I will fulfill the oath I swore to your forefathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you possess today. And a phrase that stood out to me in that passage is there at the bottom, the land you possess today. Hold on. You're talking about obeying for an inheritance that I'm already living in. Do you notice that? God's, God's speaking retroactively about 
an inheritance that they currently live in, but at the same time, he's speaking proactively about obeying to the future. And, and so what I see here, if I can make this passage a little bit clear to you, is that there are two prices. There are two prices associated with any promise of God, okay? Two prices associated with any promise of God, okay? One price is gaining the promise, gaining the promise. The other price is maintaining the promise. There are two prices associated with any promise from God, one to gain it, but then one also to maintain it. And guess what? The Israelites, what God is speaking to them is they forgot the second price, okay? They paid the price to get into Canaan, but they didn't pay the price to stay there. And both, so there are two prices associated to, to uh, any promise from God, and both prices have the same cost. And guess what the cost is? Obedience. Obedience. Obedience is going to be that cost. We need to restore. If you get anything from me today, we need to restore obedience's reputation in church today. We really do. We really do. And we need to establish true obedience, not fleshly obedience. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a little bit. But, but it's, it's, it's making sure that you and I are obeying for the right reasons, okay? If I could try to speak into that a little bit more. Because it's time for us to learn to submit to a new authority. And that new authority and Kirk talked about it when he was talking about how oftentimes we don't, we don't follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit because we don't recognize his voice, okay? And when, when Trisha was encouraging us today at the end of worship, that's what she was encouraging. She was wanting to create space for us to learn that voice, okay? To stop stopping short, okay? I know, I know I'm not supposed to sin, okay? But that's not the... That's not that can't be the crux of Christianity, to not sin, right? If you were to sum up Christianity in two words, hopefully the two words that popped into your brain weren't don't sin, right? But then if you come into our church, is that the message that we're conveying? Now, should we not sin? Of course, of course we shouldn't sin. But that can't be the focus of it. That can't be the intention of our heart. It can't exist. Obedience can't endure at a fleshly level. And so it's time for us to learn to submit to a new authority. And that new authority is the spirit. We got to move. If I could clarify, we need to move from ignoring the spirit to obeying the spirit. We've got to move from ignoring him. Okay. Because we get good at trying to avoid sowing to my sinful nature. But again, we stop short at just stopping. We got to sow a seed. What does that look like? It looks like obeying the other voice, God's voice, the Spirit's voice, okay? And so think about it like this. Maybe you didn't know this, but if you've ever felt ignorant about something, ignorant and ignore, they have the same root, they have the same root. And, and I was thinking about it like this. Like, if I feel ignorant, because maybe that's, maybe that's where some of you are at today. Not that you're ignorant, but forgive me for if, if that's what it sounds like I'm saying. If I feel ignorant when it comes to the things of God, 
If I feel ignorant because, or when it comes to the things of the spirit, chances are it's because I've created a habit of ignoring. Okay? If I, because as I'm asking that question, what does it look like to sow to the spirit? What does it look like to sow to the spirit? I really don't know what it looks like to sow to the spirit. It's because I've been a season or in a, in a cycle of ignoring the spirit. And so how do I learn his voice? I listen to it. I obey it. And as I obey it, that voice becomes clearer to me. Suddenly, I don't have to even say so much no to this. I'm still saying no by saying yes to this. I don't have to worry about planting these seeds because I'm too busy planting these seeds. I don't even have these seeds in my pouch anymore, right? If they show up, it's because somebody else put them there and not that I have been trying to plant them. And then now it just becomes plucking. Okay? And so I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to the spirit. And so I'm not ignoring. But to speak back into that, if I feel ignorant when it comes to the things of the spirit, it's because I've created a practice of ignoring the spirit. Okay? And that's how I become ignorant. And think about it like this. I had this thought. We've gotten good at ignoring the spirit for the sake of not trying to be legalistic. I'll say that again. We've gotten really good at ignoring the spirit for the sake of not trying to be legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic, so then I just try to plant middle or try to exist in bare ground somewhere in between. Okay? And so we got to redeem. We got to redeem what what obedience should look like. And and I had this thought during Kirk's sermon last week, don't reduce sowing to the spirit to merely trying to live a moral life. And that's, that's what he was getting at, okay? That's the just say no. When I get locked into just saying no, that's, that's fleshly obedience. That's still obedience that's only existing at a fleshly level. And so I can't reduce sowing to the spirit, okay? Uh, don't make it about not doing what he doesn't want you to do. I was having this conversation with Trisha about that. She's like, what does that mean, Stephen? As I was telling her that last night, don't make it about not doing what God doesn't want you to do. That's a lot of times what we make Christianity about, this list of don'ts. And we can't reduce sowing to the spirit to just just trying to not do what God doesn't want me to do. And I thought about it like this. It'd be like me talking to Elliot and saying, you know, hey, Elliot, come mow the lawn with me, Right? I'm making an invitation. And Elliot's response to me inviting him to participate with me in something being, well, I won't do drugs. Good for him, him, right, Matt? And that's what God, good for you, okay? But, but, But God's inviting us into something, but we make it about something that he doesn't want us to do, and we forget about the things that he does want us to do. We are called to do the work of the Spirit. We are called to plant the seeds of the Spirit. We are called and created to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And that happens by saying yes to the Spirit. Okay? And then, yeah, my response, right? Obviously, okay. But, uh, right? That's not what I'm asking you of right now. Have you ever done that, though? Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Where you feel the nudge from God of knowing something that you're supposed to do, but you justify not doing it 
by the list of the other things that you're doing really well at, by the other commandments that you're really good at keeping, by your list of don'ts that you're keeping, and we forsake the list of do's. We forsake the list of do's. We got to make it. We got to make it. Obedience, we have to make it about participating in what he's inviting us into, okay? That's what obedience has to be about. It has to be about what God is inviting me to participate in with him, right? And there's an invitation. There's an invitation to call you out of the neutral ground. That doesn't exist, the neutral ground. That he's calling you. He's calling you. Just come over here. Just come over here. I know you think you're, you're walking a fine line between. You're just, you know you, I know you think you're, you're just doing your own thing, but come over here. Come into what I have made available for you, okay? We got to follow the tug, right? As Kirk was standing up here and Jim was pulling on his sleeve, follow that tug. Follow that tug. And it starts subtle. It really does. It's, it's, it's about learning to follow new desires, it's about learning to follow right desires. It's learning to follow the desires of the Father's heart until they become the desires of your heart. I'm going to follow the Father's desires until they become my desires, okay? I got my water bottle here, okay? I used to not be a fan of this right here. Just be honest with you. Drink water, Psst, who does that? Cows do that. I'm not a cow. <laughs> Cows make milk. I'll drink milk, right? Like, right? There's water in pop, right? There's water in iced tea. I mean, I make it. I fill the pitcher, right? And so drinking water like this was like a new concept to me. But you know what? There's this, have you, maybe you haven't heard of this concept. It's called Triple D, and it's not Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, which is an awesome show. Sorry, by the way. Okay? But uh, anyway, Kirk looks more like Guy than I do, so it can't be about that. Okay? So anyway, it's the hair and the, and the goatee is what it is. That's what I was just trying to clarify. I was just trying to make, make myself feel better for that. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, but, but it's, it's called Discipline, Desire, and Delight. Okay? Discipline. I had to make a discipline of drinking water. Ugh. And I do it. And I do it. And I do it. And the more I do it, eventually, I actually kind of like that. I kind of like that. And then the more I do it, I notice when it's missing. And now it's become a desire for me. And that's what obedience is meant to produce inside of us. It's meant to cultivate the Father's heart inside of me. It's meant to transform my desires so they look like his desires. It's got it. We got to get out of it. It's God's thing and it's my thing and it's Satan's thing. There is no neutral ground. You don't have a kingdom. You don't have a kingdom. You've been given an invitation to participate in two different kingdoms. Which one are you going to sow seeds into? Okay, And so it's transforming. And so we've got to learn to cultivate a heart of submission and obedience. And obedience can exist and it can't endure at a fleshly level. It, it won't last. Obedience can't endure at a fleshly level. We see it all the time with people that burn out. It seems like they're really going after God and then all of a sudden they fall away. What happened? They were obeying at a fleshly level. They were making it about what they were unwilling to do 
versus what God was inviting them to do. And, and, and I have a definition. Legalism is obedience that exists only at a fleshly level because fleshly obedience produces fruit. It does, but it's fake fruit. It's counterfeit fruit. I remember growing up, uh, going over and seeing my grandma Teresa, and she always had a bowl of fruit on the table. But it was anybody's guess whether it was going to be real or fake. Because sometimes she had real fruit. Sometimes she did. But when she didn't have real fruit, guess what she filled the bowl with? Fake fruit. And so as a little kid, you go to grandma's and you're really excited and you pick up an apple and you take a bite and land on styrofoam. Right? It looked like the real thing. It definitely wasn't, though. Right? And that's, that's what fleshly obedience produces in me. It produces counterfeit fruit. It might look good, but it's still from your flesh. If you're obeying from a spirit of the flesh, it's still fruit of the flesh. And so counterfeit joy looks like happiness, where I'm going to do what makes me happy. And counterfeit goodness actually tastes like manipulation because I'm treating you nice so I get something in return. And counterfeit, counterfeit peace, we talked about this on Wednesday, looks like me trying to have everything in my life under control. And they all have the same denominator, folks. Selfishness. They all, because they occur at a fleshly level. And so we got to get into this habit of obeying. So true obedience comes from a place of deep love and devotion. Or I heard Bill Johnson say it like this, that obedience is about stewarding a relationship. I'm stewarding a relationship when I'm obeying the Father. I'm working on connection. I'm working on intimacy. Lesson three from the meadow is you got to remember to water and rest. You got to. Mary, I heard you speak into this a little bit this morning. You got to remember to water and rest because what takes place during watering and resting? Growth. Growth takes place during watering and resting. And so we got to move from bare ground to cycles of planting and plucking, but we can't stay there. We got to transition into seasons of watering and resting. Growth and fruit take place. Leviticus, last scripture that I'm going to hit you with today. This is a doozy. I like this passage. It's about the Sabbath year. And uh, I like this passage, and I'll explain why in just a second. But, but uh, Moses is writing this, and, and again, he's writing the words of God right here. But God's telling him, for six years, sow your seeds and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. And whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you. And I better keep moving my slide here. Will be food for you. For yourself, your manservant, your maidservant, the hired worker, the temporary resident who lives among you, as well as all your livestock and the wild animals in your land, whatever the land produces may be eaten. And what I see here is because you've done the hard work, 
of obedience, if you've done the hard work of obedience, that last statement becomes true, that whatever the land produces may be eaten because good fruit is now available. Why? Because of obedience. And if you don't do the hard work of obedience and the hard work of obedience, that last statement can't be true. There's not going to be any fruit, right? Nothing's going to be available. And whenever you hear the Bible talk about Sabbath, and Sabbath is an important thing, folks, just saying, okay? And it's not about just going to church, okay? There's more to it than that, okay? The goal of Sabbath is to cultivate dependency on God. Because guess what those farmers weren't doing that year? They weren't planting. They weren't plowing. They weren't pruning. And they weren't harvesting. And so that means God was their provider. And not me anymore. Because we get caught into these conversations about obedience and we think so much it's about what you and I do. And that's part of it. That is part of it. But the further step is the why. Why are you doing it? Okay? The heart and the intention behind it. And the goal of Sabbath is to cultivate dependency. And think about it like this. And, well, and to make room for intimacy with him, but I'll have to talk about that on another Sunday. But you can't have dependency without obedience. Right? You could say, I depend on you, God, but then not listen to him. What's that going to do? right? Not obey him, right? You can't have dependency without obedience. But then on the flip side, you can't have obedience without dependency, right? Where you're following. And so, so what I see Sabbath and what the invitation here is it's an invitation into intimacy and to dependency on God, because we, we've got we've to remember that it's the Spirit who produces the fruits of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who produces the fruits of the Spirit. We know what the fruits of the flesh are, Paul's very clear on that list in Galatians 5, okay? But it's the Spirit who produces the fruits of the Spirit. And I wrote this as a note to myself in my Bible. But partnering with obedience produces rest. Not just rest, fruitful rest. That's what we're looking for, folks, when we're sowing to the Spirit, is we are going to be producing rest, fruitful rest. Well, not we, but Holy Spirit working inside of us, okay? What happens if you rest without first doing the work of obedience, right? What if I got halfway there with planting my meadow and was just like, you know what, I'm gonna take a couple years off, see what happens, right? Kirk talked about that with a, a garden. I can't remember which sermon that was, Kirk, but I remember you talking about your garden and just kind of the weeds got, uh, got away from you guys, yep, and, and, and there wasn't any fruit from what was planted, why? Because it has to be a consistent rhythm, a consistent rhythm of obedience in our lives. And watering and resting allows the fruit to grow, okay? And so what are these lessons from the meadow? It's all about trying to cultivate, trying to cultivate a lifestyle of obedience. And remember, bare ground is dangerous. You'd like to think there's a neutral zone where you can peacefully coexist somewhere between heaven and hell. Okay? Somewhere between Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom and do your own thing. That's an illusion. Bare ground is dangerous. You are not called to be created to be bare ground. Okay? And then so now I realize that I can't be as bare ground. So then what do I got to do? Now I got to cultivate rhythms of planting and plucking. Obedience. Why though? So that my heart becomes more like God's heart. 
And then when I do that good work of true obedience and I move out of the fleshly level and start to rely more on his spirit, then that allows me to move into seasons of watering and rest. And I get to see what God is producing in me. Amen, you guys? Yeah, so here's what I want to pray for today. Because I had this nudge this morning is that no more neutral ground. That was the nudge I had, okay? No more neutral ground. What do I mean by that? Is if you are stuck thinking that you are somewhere in between and that you can peacefully and happily exist somewhere in between. I'm not doing the sin things, but I'm not really doing the spirit things. You're living in an illusion, and it's a dangerous place to be. And so right now, what I want to pray for, and, and I'll also invite you to, to get further prayer from our prayer teams today, but I, w- I want today to be no more neutral ground for you. No more neutral ground where you think you're living somewhere in between two kingdoms, thinking that you have a territory. You don't. It's time to give that over to God and to lean heavily into obedience, okay? And so right now, Jesus, I thank you for today. Father, that invitations have been given to us, Father, to enter into your kingdom, to sow the seeds of your kingdom, to bear the fruits of your kingdom, to enjoy the rest and the peace and the love and the joy and the goodness that comes from your kingdom, Father. And Lord, I just pray right now for anybody here who's feeling like they've been living somewhere in between. Somebody who feels like they've just been existing as neutral ground, Father. I pray that today would be a day of sowing into the kingdom, that a seed is being planted in that ground. But not just any seed, a spirit seed, a Holy Spirit seed, a redemption seed, a salvation seed. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, no more neutral ground. And I speak that for everybody here, from little kids all the way up to big grown-ups that there is no more neutral ground. And so, Father, right now, thank you for the invitation. And, Lord, I just pray that we would just be good at following the tug of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.